What's up, everyone? Welcome to another Jets episode, where today we'll be discussing the offensive line, special teams, the cornerbacks. We'll be giving you updates on training camp. We'll be telling you all about the One Jets Drive episode today. And of course, we'll be in our third quarter of the season with our way too early predictions. Alex, what do we have for etc.? It's good, John. For etc. today, we're going to keep it light again. Just going to go over some of our favorite uh, streaming services series. So whether it's Netflix, Hulu, whatever, we're going to dabble in a little bit of that today. Sounds good to me. Let's go, Ricey. What's up, Alex? What's going on, man? How was your weekend, dude? What's going on, John? Uh, it's, you know, it's been pretty good. Been pretty relaxed. Just came back from vacation. Uh, feel well rested. Ready to get back to work. Ready to continue this work and put in that work to our podcast. Ready to talk about some Jets today. How about you, man? How's your weekend? I know you went on a long hike. How was that? How was your hike? Oh, it was good, man. I uh, went on a hike today um, up to the Mohonk Preserve. I forgot my hiking boots. Yikes. I was uh, riding some uh, gray and white low SBs, but they didn't die, and they kind of actually held up pretty well. So I'm kind of actually... Are we talking like SB dunks? Yeah, like like straight up, like just like skateboard, like just like low, like low tops. Not dunks, just like regular. God like, bless you. <laughs> Yeah, it just sounds like an ankle injury waiting to happen. I know. My right ankle doesn't love me right now, but I think we're okay. All right. Well, at least you're back here today and we're able to get going with this Jets podcast. So, John, what do we got going for today? Yeah, man. Actually, the Jets put in some work today as well. They were um, they, they they had practice today and they actually got into a little, little scurfuffle. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, man, it's, it's kind of getting a little testy in practice today. Uh, today we had Jordan Jenkins, uh, I think our second longest tenure Jet, uh, fight Alex Lewis, who is Joe Douglas's guy, and presumably our starting left guard. Wow, a little little uh, little fist fight action going on. Um, all the beat writers were kind of excited about it. So some some flares up uh, apparently. Um, the offense was they were making literally making fun of each other, um, and the signals. So, honestly, as as it re- it really seems this way that they started out the new Jets with with this mentality, and I think they're going to continue it. Where we have like three branches of government going, we have Gaze leading the offense. We have Greg Williams leading the defense, and we have Boyer running the special teams. And honestly, it feels like they really have nothing to do with each other. Okay. Um, I know that's one of your biggest pet peeves with Gase. Yeah, it sounds like this is like when it comes to Gase, I, you know, like a head coach at least should have um, some sort of, I don't know, control and like understanding what every department's doing, not just like, all right, I'm the head coach, but you know what? I'm going to focus on offense. Uh, You focus on the defense. You focus on the special teams. This is one of my gripes, as you mentioned with Gase. Uh, I mean, Rex Ryan did the same thing too, Mm -hmm. but uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I mean, of course, in a perfect world, we'd have a head coach who, I mean, like, honestly, like a John Harbaugh, who is really, would control all phases of the game and really puts a stamp um, on the culture as well. I mean, I get it. He's not that. But to me, it's pretty good because he's self-aware, man. Like, he, he knows, right? Like, he, he knows what he's good at and he's just controlling it. I, I think uh, the Jets posted some uh, footage of him talking to Marcus May a couple of days ago, like on the sideline of practice as a good way of showing that Gay sucks to the defense. So I think they're trying to push out that narrative. <laughs> okay. I mean, I get working to your strengths as he should. I would hope that he, I don't, I don't need him to know every yeah. of the game, but to at least have like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I guess what we're really trying to say is he better do something about these wide receivers. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, I mean, if you want to get down to the crux of it, yes, we definitely do need to do something about these wide receivers because it is looking abysmal as we went over last week. And I can still cry to today. Yeah. So since then, we, I mean, we have Chris Hogan who has been put at least uh, he's been showing some excitement. He, Speaking on the self-awareness theme, he's pretty self-aware that he's been on every team in the AFC East and that gives him some sort of advantage. You know, I mean, he at least knows what's going on in the playbooks. I would hope. <laughs> yeah, so I, he, um, he's a veteran and he kind of – he alluded to the fact that he, he is excited or capable of building a rapport with Darnold. So him and Berrios made a couple plays today. Um, the news – out of camp is that Kevin White passed the COVID test and he came uh, for a nice little visit. Any thoughts on Kevin White? Um, not really. I have no thoughts on Kevin White. Okay. Be, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's pretty fair. Um, with Kevin White is that, you know, he was supposed to, he was a, what was he, first, second round with like the Chicago Bears, right? Yeah, he was uh, – yeah, I mean, he was 2017. Um, not sure exactly. It was a couple of years ago. Uh, I think it was 2017 where he uh, he just, he was never he was a beast in college and he just never amounted to anything in Chicago. Uh, but I mean, I love Kevin White. He's he's always about the injuries. He'd be fantastic if he actually you know. He just needs to be on the field, man, and get like actually play. I was excited about Kevin White. I remember drafting him on my fantasy team, exactly. rookie. And getting him the second year because it's like, okay, this is good to be it. And then he gets hurt again. He just, as you already said, he, you know, he's been injury plagued. He hasn't had the opportunity to show that he's the same beast that he was in college in the NFL. It's cool. We get to throw a flyer on him, right? It's along the same. If we sign him. Yeah, if we sign him, but it'd be along the same path as uh, Josh Doxson, right? Another guy who is supposed to be a top tiered wide receiver hasn't really had the opportunity to do so because of injuries or whatever other reasons. And so you hope Kevin White, especially with this depleted uh, wide receiver crew that we have or lack thereof, you know, hopefully he can like do something and add depth. But Kevin White weirdly reminds me of Sammy Watkins. If, if like Sammy Watkins never even had the good game, like never even had those games that he was healthy. Like, you know, if Sammy Watkins, you know, like the Sammy Watkins, like, because he, when he's on the field in college, he looked like him, uh, but he just never was able to get healthy in the pros. Yeah. Uh, I guess, are you trying to say like he could be like Sammy Watkins if he was healthy? Like, is that what you're trying to say? 
the same skill set and 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 the their injury similarities uh like they just they resemble each other where they're constantly injured but when they're actually like what if he could produce i think he could be sammy watkins that's i guess that's the point i'm trying to make i think he's that's the ceiling um which is something um i know sammy watkins is not that he's not that reliable to begin with so you know it's just kind of a little thing that the jets are kind of stringing together so i'm kind of excited about that yeah i mean i would i could i get where you're going with it um like Kevin White could – like, because he was a deep threat just like Sammy Watkins when he was in college. If he could do that, I mean, Sammy Watkins this past season was pretty healthy. But thankfully, being on a Chiefs team, right, you don't need to necessarily be used that much where you could actually kind of rest and, like, have, you know – I just need him to be Buffalo Sammy Watkins. Buffalo Sammy Watkins? You that- know, in a couple games here off, a couple games, you know, like on and off. But what I'm – I guess the only real news uh, from wide receiver camp is Lawrence Cager. Lawrence Cager, he's, he's making an appearance. He's working the back of the end zone exactly where he should be. He's a big body. He's, he's flying under the radar, even with our Jets beat writers, where there's nothing to look at with the wide receiver. So I don't understand why they're not harping in on Cager, maybe because of his injury history as well. It seems that Joe Douglas really is okay with the injury flyers, and he's really going to go down that route. I mean, we can't get hyped about Kajer because he's not won a draft pick. He's gone undrafted, so he has a lot more to prove, right? He's not like a Denzel Mims who like we invested in, so we have to like make yeah. that. I just want him to make the team. Yeah, like I hope he makes a team too. Like as we discussed last week, he has the intangibles to be a good wide receiver, the body to do so, especially when it comes to the end zone, using that same using that frame to get up and over players, right? That's what you hope that he can do. Um, but hey, it's nice that he's getting action. Hopefully he can earn that role, whatever that may be, whether it's the one or two, or in this case, one A, one B, which really is more of like a two A and two B in this case. So you know, we just need we need something, man, and that's why they're bringing in Kevin White. That's why we're checking these guys out because we need depth. There, we don't know when Mims is going to be back. A hammy is a very tricky thing with if he if he has. I swear to God, if this guy has the same hamstring issues as Will Fuller, I'm going to blow a gasket with these second round picks. I'm like going to go over the top. <laughs> yeah, I'm nervous about his hammy as well. Um, Will Fuller, just side note, is going to have a fantastic year. On the Texans. But anyway. Um, of which, Will Fuller, uh, 2016, with Kevin White. So I know. Um, so that's just, that was just a little glimpse. But you would never know that the Jets have any issues at all if you just were tuning into the One Jets Drive propaganda series. Drive, <laughs> <laughs> man. Makes it seem like everything's all peachy keen out there in Jets land. Oh, my God. More than that. Uh Love y'all. Bell was boxing, right? Uh, we had um, Duke Manyweather and the offensive line kind of went in a little bit of in depth. So it was really cool. If anyone um, is keen to check that out, I think that you would really like it. They kind of actually went into depth into this episode and they really went in on Becton and the offensive line, man. What do you think about them? Honestly, I am not. <sighs> The way that they did it, I'm still not 100% confident that it's going to be a great line. It's definitely improved, right? 
Joe Douglas went, definitely went in for, like everyone's been saying he went in for quantity over quality. I would like to say that he went in for both, but more high end on the quantity than necessarily the quality. I think the quality is better than what we had, but there's anything I have to take away from this is that Becton is a beast. And I am like the way they're hyping up Becton, the way that his former high school coach and the Louisville coach, everybody is hyping this dude up and just seeing, you know, I never watch, I'm not really a big college football fan, but to see some of those reels where he's just like, stonewalling people and just throwing them down and just pushing them back with ease. It is fantastic. That is what your left tackle is supposed to be doing. And Sam should be thrilled to have Becton as his left tackle. Oh my God. The stuff that I see him doing just like in these short clips. And then I went to go check YouTube just to watch these highlight reels, man. My God, he is quick and strong. Like it's everything that we like I touched on last week. And now I just like going in further in depth. It is like, I am excited that he's our left tackle. And people are saying he's already got like the hall of fame, like patented, like traits, whether it's the mindset, the abilities, the strength, all that together. And it's like, I know I can't go too much into it and get hype, but it's just like, it's leading up to be something good, but I like this so far. I like it. I really like it. Yeah, I mean, that picture of him, like, basically manhandling uh, Jordan Jenkins with one arm while it looked like Sam Darnold was having a nice time. I mean, that's probably what irked Jenkins a bit. Uh, But, yeah, they've been looking pretty solid. Um, I love that McGovern has become, like, this de facto center, uh, captain at center, which is usually important for the center position. Yeah, for sure. It definitely – is uh, a factor. Before we go on to McGovern, I just want to clarify: Kevin White actually came in the 2015 draft. Huh? Off by a couple of years. Off, but I was off. Yeah, I was off. He's not. So he wasn't with um, Will Fuller. He was the year right before. Still same issues with uh, with with like just injuries. But regardless, back to McGovern. Yeah. So with McGovern, um, I like that he's like the starting center. He brings that. Uh, he brings that leadership, which you need at center, right? Because essentially with the line, your center is, I guess, the major. If, you know, you have your quarterback who's the captain and your head coach is supposed to be the general, uh, like center controls the whole line. He controls the, he controls the pace. He coordinates with everybody, tells them blocking assignments, gets the onset going. He's in communication with the, the quarterback. Center is a big key part. Um, and I don't think I don't know how how many people actually know how much work goes into being a center and like knowing all the all the plays that every lineman has to like all the movements, the line formations, going down to the tight end. So in the past couple of years too, I don't know if you've, if anyone really knows that about us too. <laughs> no, like especially after like we went from think about it, we had Kevin Mawai and then we went to uh, Nick Mangold and it's now it's just like it's been nobody and now we're getting. McGovern, which is a nice change of pace, someone who is a veteran, someone who's did it. And coming from Carolina, they've had a solid O-line. So it's nothing to like throw shade at. It's something to be more reassured about. The issue though that I have, even though we're good and you may be touching on this soon, is that, like I said, with the center, he's knows all the plays and he's communicating is actually communication with the O-line because O-line, that's the biggest thing is knowing code, whether whatever that may be, whatever their lingo may be, uh, 
knowing how each other plays, knowing everyone's strengths and weaknesses. That is a legit front that moves together in unison. And that's the biggest concern that everyone's talking about. Is, yeah. is our, big, our, biggest, our weakest links are the guards, man. Yeah, but even still, if they're the guards, it's still communication because you can mitigate some of that weakness too with, with those players, right? By If you know what the guards' weaknesses are, like say if someone's like is not strong pulling to the right or left, you know maybe you got to give a little chip. Maybe you got to put an extra hand out there to create a bigger wall formation, something like that. Maybe you tell them, hey, you, you know, there's ways to like shift it around to help, and that just takes time and communication. Unfortunately, no OTAs. You know, everyone's meeting each other through Zoom and trying to do Zoom workouts. I heard that the O-line were playing a lot of Xbox together to get familiar with one another, which has been pretty cool. Uh, you know, they're 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 getting familiar with one another, with one another. But playing on the field with them, with each other, I should say, is the real key component for this line to truly be in unison and to like take that next step that we haven't really seen these last couple of years. So. That's my biggest concern, even though we have all these, like, good guys. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. But we, so we have Beckton on the left. We have McGovern in the center. We have George Font on the right. Uh, he's pretty solid, too. I think we could uh, get out after, after this year for, like, only $2 million in dead money. So, you know, he could potentially stay next year or he could be a one-year uh, fill-in. Doga, uh, who is our draft pick. Coming out of USC, he's been he's been all right. Um, it's nice to have him as depth, you know, as as the right tackle. Let's not forget Cam Clark, right? Uh, the O lineman we drafted this year. He's not going to start this year, and he has that uh, learning curve. But he's really nice to have back there. I I really I know that the guards are our weakest link, and that's been our that's been the theme so far, and we're having trouble pushing with the runners a little bit. I just, I can't get over thinking about Becton, Cam Clark as left guard, and then McGovern. I just can't get over that scene. So I'm just really hoping that the, I guess the lack of movement forward from our offensive line is a lot to do with the success of our run-stopping defensive line. All right, like we have one of the best, run defenses so like i'm hoping that has something to do with it as well um also i feel like bell in games is just different he is and he's not running in between you know in those gaps that the guards necessarily need to open up for you i think he like he likes to be patient and kind of see what happens um and then we have gore as a change up and we have Michael perrine as the Bilal 2.0 back there so i'm just i'm just kind of excited for what what one Jets drive kind of fed us with the O line, um, and I'm kind of excited for what's what they've been uh, what they've been exerting in the camp of what limited camp we could kind of see or read about. For sure, and you know, I think with the O line, right, the one thing that we can say is that it's going to be, I guess, better. I can't see it getting any worse. We were ranked twenty. 20- 728 somewhere around there last year it was abysmal so we can only go up at this point but yeah i don't know there's there's just really it's just really going to come down to how well they can communicate and like for be be a cohesive unit that's really the concern um that's really all i got on the line is that you know 
there's no stats that you can point to that all these guys are going to be good or whatnot. Like pancakes are like, they're okay. Like it's not really a set you go by to see how strong or how good the O-line is. It's your, your rush, how many yards you get, the how many passing, how many passing yards, the pass blocking protection, the amount of time that quarterback gets. That's the stuff that's going to be measured. And yeah, I guess we're just trying to say that there's positivity and there's depth. And I guess that's kind of what we're gathering so far from Jets Drive, from the training camp, from the running back room, um, and it's that—that's a little, some a little optimism injected into our offense because of our lack of pass catchers. Even though Chris Herndon and Wesco have been okay, our other tight end uh, Ryan Griffin came out and said something that kind of scared me, uh, talking about how he doesn't think he'll ever uh, become the same post-injury um like you'll never get back to where he was like you'll never get back to 100 percent. so that's concerning <laughs> like it, it's a normal statement for people to have you know coming off injury because they feel weird and thinking about it but i'm hoping that you know uh, that changes because ryan griffin's a real asset but just sticking to that uh line talk we're having let's let's kind of mention I don't know if you – I honestly don't know what you think about it, and I don't know if you're going to kind of throw this away, but how about those Yannick rumors, uh, the defensive end from the Jaguars, uh, that kind of was thrown out there by Lombardi, right, on Twitter, and then quickly debunked by uh, Manish Mehta from the Daily News, our, one of our beat writers. Um, and then R- Rich Simonis had to go and tell us to relax. So just – typical like put the Jets fans in a circus and then complain that when they when the like this created this crazy chaos for us and then once we responded to the chaos they complained that we responded to the chaos it just drives me nuts I mean this is just like with our New York Knicks right when lottery comes up and they put you know the Joker like with the Knicks eye in it like when it comes lottery time, it's just like, okay, let's, let's just stop. It's just, but it's all to get engagement. Look, the New York fan base is one of the largest fan bases out there. Let's be real. Like if you're a Giants fan or a Jets fan, we're, we're a large fan base. So they're of course trying to rile all this up, but when it comes to Yannick, I don't see like who, what are they going to take the tri- the, the, the picks? The problem is so the interesting little key here is the extension deadline is over. So he'd have to come here on the franchise deal for the one year loan, and then we could sign him after the year. But don't we still have to give him like give assets to get him? We'd have to trade for him, right? Yeah, but now the the Jaguars' uh, asking offer has severely dropped because now we can't get that extension. So they're asking for first round picks during the year uh, and last year. And now they're not getting that. The rumor was from Lombardi was a second round pick. I mean, if that's the case, if they're looking to get one first rounder, I would gladly give up. Second, one second. Oh, they're looking for a second. Yeah. And as you know, we have never drafted a, a second round pick. So if, if they're looking for, we can gladly give them this year a second. And because this year's a wash anyway. So we, we have four we have two first round picks this year and two first round picks next year yeah so i mean we have like we have the assets to offer them that's what i was trying to say is that you know we could offer them a first round for this year and just be like take it we give them the seat we give them the seahawks first rounder we get them and i would say 
yeah, then you, if that's, if that's the tier one spot, then you can't say not to throw money at that, like definitely extend them then. But yeah, what- I think it's interesting because again, of the value of the college players coming out. So we kind of mentioned it last week, but it's, it's official. Uh, it, you could now come back. You basically, this is a, basically a red shirt year for college athletes. And so they can come back next year um, on the same contract, basically, even though they're technically not contracts, but who <laughs> they come back on the same contracts um, with the team, which is really cool. And it kind of gives players who think they're going to do well and develop the opportunity. They get to choose, right? They're not going to be screwed uh, for lack of a better word. Well, that's so, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's good and bad, but like, what, how, the, I guess my question to you is how do you think that affects our first round pick from Seattle? Like, do you want the two picks in the first round this year? Do you kind of not care about getting rid of one of them because of this? Like, how, how does this like fall for you? Is it, is it better? Like, do you now think that these two picks could be, like, unbelievable, even though a Seattle pick could be a playoff, you know, pick, or hopefully the Jets is a playoff pick? I mean, it most likely is going to be a playoff pick anyway, and I wouldn't be – if you're telling me we could give that first rounder and get Yannick, which is, like, a proven commodity instead of risking it on something else, especially with the way that college football is – him though bud we have to pay him like real money i mean i would rep but like i get the whole like i get the whole aspect of like you get these young guys who are on cheap deals and you want to like try to like squeeze as much out of them for that cheap bargain like i totally get it at the same time if you're trying to get a edge rusher that we haven't had in a long time and we don't really know what you know, the market's going to look like next year. Like I'm not saying everything's going to be perfectly fine, but if things aren't going to take that much of a hit and the Jets could still afford him, why not just throw that pick to go get Yannick? That's how I look at it. Are you thinking to just like say, you know, ride with the two? I mean, it's not a bad option either. I think you can go either way. It really depends on how much you value the defensive end. If you think the defensive end is that key component that we need to take our defense to another level, then why not just get the guy who we know is proven. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with both of those things, but I don't agree with your actual conclusion. So I do think that he's a game. Yannick is a game changer, but I believe that the four first round picks within the next two years are going to be vital for the New York jets, whether that's, whether that's trading him or drafting them. And if it's a trade, I just, yes, he, 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 he would, Yannick would change everything, but I just, Man, oh man, those first round picks look so juicy to me when nobody has any idea what's going on. Only three or four conferences are playing. You know what I mean? And we have we get to we get to draft two of the top thirty players. Like that to me is so attractive that I I trust Joe I trust Joey D to make do the right thing. So if he gets rid of the first round, I'll kind of roll with it. But I'm really, really hoping it's a second. Okay. I mean, there's no, I don't feel like there's truly a wrong answer in this situation. I feel like you can't go wrong with getting Yannick as like a defensive end, like a top player. You know what I mean? If, if we're only getting three conferences and, you know, Seattle's going to be, I think Seattle's going to be a playoff team. So we're going to talk, I don't know how far they're going to get, but if we're talking what six teams, 
at 12, you're probably going to get somewhere in the 20s with them. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong, 20s in the NFL is nothing like the NBA where it's just like, it, it, you know, talent just drops dramatically. But still, who, like, I don't know that, I don't know the, I don't know the prospects. You don't know who's going to come out. You don't know who wants to stay another year. Exactly. That's why I think that with a known commodity already, why not just get, if we, especially have two, we get a proven guy, just pay him. And if this is, if we were worried because of paying a player because of the cost of COVID, especially for a, if we're considering a strong safety, a tier four and DN is a tier one, because that's what you need. Then why are we even questioning how much we should even pay this? Hey, Yannick, considering he's a game changer. That's that's just how I look at it because we really don't know what we're going to get. This is what we were discussing last week. It's, it's, it's kind of up in the air. Everyone may be in the same spot, but we're talking about now only three conferences. So now we're really limiting the pool that we're selecting from, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how I look at it. If if he doesn't want to go that route, I like I totally get that too. Like there's nothing wrong with checking out and just taking a young player and saying, Hey, it does if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. The good thing is that it doesn't cost anything relatively like to paying Yannick, right? You're paying, you're paying him like what, four or 5 million a year for a first rounder. So you're for a football team. That's, that's a drop in the bucket, mm-hmm. especially just to test out, Hey, if we need a DN, we could drive the DN first and get whoever we need second. At the same time, you may be able to get more if you just trade that first round. If they're, if, especially if the Jaguars only look for a second, why not explore and see what it is? Yeah, I think they lost all leverage. But yeah, I, I just, um, I kind of just wanted to temper our expectations. I would love the Ionic for a second or less. I just don't think it's going to be the end of the world and the Jets are not going to be incompetent if he doesn't show up. No, not at all. I really do hope he shows up. Yeah, not at all. And if, if we don't get Yannick, it's not there shouldn't be any indictment on Joe Douglas for not kicking the tires or executing a deal in that manner. It's you know the the reality. It's the reality. It still is that COVID is occurring. We don't know what the salary cap is going to be next year, and it's just you know we have to then pay him after trading said asset. The, I guess for free. I guess the concern is is that would we would probably have to throw him the bag right if he came over here in order to secure him. 100%. And we can't technically make those deals until next year. Yeah. Obviously, they're going to talk about it. For sure. So that's also like another concern, which is why I wouldn't be upset. Like if, if Joe Douglas feels comfortable throwing the bag at Yannick, go for it. But if not, like there's no, no harm, no foul there either. So. Yeah. I agree. And uh, moving on, uh, I think that the, the defensive backs, just an update on them in the training camp, Marcus May. I think that he is finally allowed to be himself. I know you were so worried about Jamal Adams leaving. Uh, and we were really harping on McDougal and Austin Davis, the addition of Austin Davis. But man, oh, man, oh, man, Marcus May is here to tell you he's ready to play in the box, he's ready to cover, and he's ready to be a Band-Aid for our weak cornerbacks. I like it. Uh, you know, the question with May is that he's been injury-prone. So if he could stay on the field and he can do it, by all means, I'm happy to hear it. I think he can do it. Like We've seen him do it. We've seen that he could be a really good free safety. Issue is him staying healthy. Um 
And that's what it comes down to. I would like to see him stay healthy like an entire season or play most of the season, like maybe miss, like, you know, if you can't play 16, play at least 13 or 14. And then, then let's say, Hey, you're ready to step up to the challenge, but if you're going to consistently just play a few games or miss most of the season, you know, all talk. Alex, he's not missing anything. What'd you say? It's a contract year, man. He's not going to miss anything. He's going to kill it this year. I mean, that guys always show up for their contract because they need to be there for the next one. So how do you feel about it then? Are you feeling secure that he's going to like step up? Are you feeling secure that he's going to be feel like he, I'm not expecting you to say that he's going to be like the next, uh, <laughs> but do you feel confident that he's actually ready to step into that role and, and show out? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he, I don't, I'm not ready to declare him Ed Reed, but I'm ready to declare him the answer to our, cornerback leakage right so we have your boy pulio who's been dealing with dehydration issues he still hasn't been able to practice that's kind of worrying me right it's august 23rd it's august 23rd like we would be it's our our equilibrium is thrown off because of no preseason but we'd be in like week three of preseason right now like be the game where you would be watching your starters for a half we'd be excited you know what i mean so things are happening now and pulio still can get on the field. So that kind of worries me. Uh, Mullet got burned a couple times. So, and, and Pierre Desir, who was supposed to be our number one cornerback, he's been out. So I feel like that, that in that availability, uh, the best abilities availability and the injury thing is almost applicable to every single room that we have <laughs> on the jets, every single unit. For but sure. let's talk about the positivities that's coming out of the defensive backs. We got your boy, Bless Austin. He's been killing it. We have Quincy Wilson, who came over from a trade uh, for a trade this year from the Colts, who's only drafted in 2017, okay? Uh, and he came out and said that getting traded from the Colts to the Jets was the best thing that's ever happened to him. I have never heard that in my life, Alex. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm now curious why he said that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, very curious to why he said that. I hope it's because he wants to play and not just because he wants to enjoy New York City and not just being in, not being in Indianapolis. So, no, he, no, he was referring to um, the position of success that uh, Joe Doug, uh, that Greg Williams will be able to put him in, that Joe Douglas got him into, um, and honestly, he's a smart guy. He knows that there's an opportunity. He sees that it's him and Bless. And that's it. And there's no one else, really. But we did have a Javelin Goodry sighting. Our undrafted free agent this year, who was the only one of two players to run under a 4-3 in the combine. There was Henry Ruggs, and there was Javelin Goodry, who went undrafted, the, the slot corner from Utah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he has the speed. When you have speed and you're going to play corner, that's – very tempting and very, you know, you want to see what he can do with that speed, right? There's a lot of guys who have speed and can't do anything with it. So of course he's going to, they want to see something. And at the same time, it's a, we're like our wide receiver, our cornerback depth is very shallow. We don't really have a lot of sure things. Mm -hmm. So we have to see what we have in the vault or on the depth chart, whatever you want to call it to make sure that 
no stone is left unturned that we don't have like a hidden gem, especially a hidden gem that could run a four three. That's that would be that would be great fine. That's great pickup speed. But I don't think it's anything to get too hyped about yet. It seems like he's getting very limited playing time because he needs to get more a better understanding of the playbook and probably just a better understanding of the mechanics trans, transitioning to the NFL. So when you have someone like Bless Austin or Pierre Desir, who are vets who played in the league and understand that playing cornerback is a tricky position, you know, you can't just throw a rook out there, especially an undrafted rook in that situation, unless they're showing out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, I think I, I'm just really excited about these, uh, I guess, each room. I think it's super interesting that the cornerbacks and the wide receivers wide receivers are similar in their uh, strengths and weaknesses and their depth issues. I think that's interesting that the defensive line and the offensive line are kind of married that way as well. The, everyone just seems kind of running the same um, schemes against each other. I'm really excited to see what they're going to do against actual other opponents. So I kind of like the the little intense uh, reports that we have coming out um, and the competition between coaches and players. Speaking of competition between players, something, Alex, that really since Doug Bryan has been a big problem for me, and I, I just can't get over it, man. These Jets kickers... They they lose us games. Our special teams has is, I think for the most part, average to to better than average. Like in general, last year they were great, but I think in general our special teams is pretty okay. But oh my goodness, man! Why can't we just ever find a kicker? Well, we did have a kicker in Jason Myers, and then we decided. Is he though? Is he a kicker? He missed. He missed a bunch last year as well. Yeah, I mean, he I mean, missed. Kicker, man, why can't I just have a kicker, <laughs> like a, a, a guy who I don't have to think about? Don't ask for those type of things. You... So Sam Ficken last year. Yeah. Who literally lost us two games. Yep. I mean, I know that's not a nice thing to say, and it was everybody, and it's all football team, but he lost us a couple games. So we brought in Brett Mayer this year, who was famous from being on the Cowboys, but he just got cut from the Vikings. It's better than Catanzaro. Catanzaro, who just got signed and cut already by the Giants this offseason. I don't get it, man. I just don't get it. We have we have a Ficken and Mayer competition. Who was the Tampa Bay kicker that was just abysmal? Oh, uh, the second round pick out of Florida State. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. I, his name is not coming to my head, but... You know, I'm, I'm, I'll be, I'll be quite honest with you. I was really excited. I was really excited for Tampa when they traded up and drafted him. I, he, he set the record for accurate, accurate kicks in college. He was an absolute monster. Yeah, but it, like, what is his name? I felt like he came out to the Jets for a second. Robert Agayo. Did did Agayo try out for the Jets recently? Because he got kicked for he got he got. We've been we've been circling the cesspool of kickers for a really long time. Um, there hasn't been really good reports already coming out from Ficken versus Mayer that they're both kind of not looking too great. I kind of want to give a shout out to Ross Martin, the kicker out of Duke, um, who 
every single offseason puts up videos of him kicking bombs. And then he always gets a tryout for the Jets. And he always gets his preseason games. And then he always goes back to being an accountant. <laughs> or Oregon first finals. Like a poor guy, man. It's like. Amazing. Okay, here we go. Just for him every day. It must be ridiculous for him to just show up every day, do his thing, think he does well, and then go back to his regular job during the year and then watch the Jets kickers literally lose games. <laughs> so bad. But here for a guy, so he was on the Bucks in 2016, Bears in 2017 with the Panthers in 2017, and the Chargers in 2018. Still a free agent because clearly he can't get it together. Yeah, I mean, it, so I, I guess the point is it's not easy, but I'm definitely not opposed to drafting kickers. I am so excited about having Braden Mann on our team. He set all the records for punting, and I really think that he's going to take our special teams to the next level. I know that sounds corny. I know that doesn't sound attractive, but having the confidence to pin the other team back and not have to do something insane on third down, you know, like on like third and 18, we're going to have to do something insane because it's not that big of a deal. If we punt it and we're going to be okay. Yep. Uh, that kind of makes me feel good. Uh, just on well, the last little note there, Austin Davis, who um, has been doing some backflips and showing off a little bit of his athleticism. And it's kind of going to be buried on the normal sets behind May and McDougald, he's been taking some uh, some returner reps, which was kind of the rumor coming out. So I'm kind of excited about that too. That That's kind of cool for him to kind of get in the mix. Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, got to use that speed. We're talking about uh, just, I mean, just to be clear, we're talking about a former track star, right? And Ashton Davis. So mm-hmm. he did do the hurdles, if I remember correctly for UCLA. Um, so he's getting that opportunity. Well, and speaking about Jets propaganda and Ashton Davis, he's the next one for one Jets drive. So I'm very intrigued to see what that one's all about. Uh, but I like it using as a returner. He has speed. He definitely has something from his track and field. He's definitely athletic. I see that Joe Douglas is looking for guys who are athletic, have this and have speed behind it. He's looking for guys with speed like that. It's not, I I can't say that we, as a Jets fans, we haven't had that in the past before, but he's definitely, you see that he's looking for speed and just like intangibles for all these guys when he's making these selections and picking these guys out. And for Davis, you know, I want to see what he can do. It'd be really nice if he can be a solid returner. We haven't had a really solid returner since, what was his name? Um, Justin Miller, Leon Washington, yeah. Brad Smith, da da da. Austin Davis? Uh, no. Fit, fit in there? I mean, who, but two years ago with Jason Myers, who was, he was a good returner that we had. Not a crazy elite, but he was good. I mean, Bilal was taking some, taking some returns back. He was. I can't – oh, my God. We only had it for a season two. That's, this is the one thing – this is what's so infuriating about being a Jets fan. We have these guys for one seasons, and, one season, and it's just like – Big punts for a while. Yeah. But he actually – he was actually good. He made the uh, – I, I miss Jim Leonard. 
Jim Leonard is another is another one. I actually missed when Cromartie would uh, field some punts. That was a good time. Yeah, so I, I guess that, that, that'll wrap it up for this week. Unfortunately, there's not too much new things going on because we don't have the access to the training camp. There's no preseason games like there would be. But we are getting insight into, you know, each kind of unit, especially from the One Jets drive and from uh, the reports that come out. I'm excited to where we're going, and I'm excited about where we're headed, which is the third quarter of the season. Alex. Yep. Way too early predictions. So if I'm right, you're at four and four. I'm at three and five. Yes, sir. So... And we have a Monday night against the Pats coming up. A beginning of the third quarter of the way too early predictions for the 2020 New York Jets season. What do you got? What do you th- what do you think? What I got? This is an L, man. We're not. Oh my goodness! I I am so off this Patriots bandwagon this year. I do not care. Do not feed me, Bill Belichick. Do not. F- Cam Newton is not going to be able to get this playbook he's going to infuriate bill belichick when he changes things at the line and mcdaniels they have the most opt-outs from covid at sitting at eight with some major major players uh on one hand everyone's telling me that the patriots are going to tank for trevor lawrence and on the other hand everyone's telling me that bill belichick's going to win the super bowl i think that give me the monday night at patriots with no fans give me the jets God bless your heart, man. I, no doubt. Give me, give me the, give me the Jets. I am until I see it with my own eyes. I cannot. No problem. If we, ha- if we can have Matt Castle going eleven to five. Oh my God! You're gonna bring up Matt Castle right now. Give me a break, dude. That's what I'm. That's the whole point. He's got a better quarterback than Matt Castle playing. They had one of the best defenses in the league and one of the best offensive lines. Ever when Matt Castle was hanging out. What's the thing that I mean? Yes. What's the, I still don't dude? Just I cannot do it till I see it. Cannot do it. I'm in the regular season. I'm sorry. We can't beat them in the regular season until you see it. You've never seen that. You've never seen the Jets beat the Patriots in the regular season. I have seen the Jets in Monday night. Absolutely not. That's that's not happening. So that we got we got that. Would, if you said this was a Sunday one o'clock game got me it's monday night okay fair no at th- you're at i'm at three and six six and i'm at five and four you're at five and four riding high apparently <laughs> riding high and then we have a an away against the dolphins and a home against the dolphins this is really weird i don't know how we have back-to-back dolphins is there a bye week yeah, we got a bye week in between okay 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 yeah yeah all right we have a week 12 bye week, man. It's pretty nice. Sounds pretty good. I like it. I like I like the middle bye weeks. I don't like the early bye weeks. Um, but I'm going to go – we're splitting the series one and one. Okay, that's fair. Do you do – uh... We're winning at home, losing away. Okay, so, so you have the Jets going into the bye week. And the way too early predictions, we're not going to hold your feet to the fire. But right now you have them in the way too early predictions going three and seven. 
the bye week? Yes. <laughs> Dude, I just can't. Look. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the L. But the only reason I'm giving you the away loss versus the Dolphins is because the Jets are going to be in Miami after that Monday night win against the Patriots. Okay? And they're going to be going out and doing the whole thing. So I agree with you there. They're going to be looking forward to the bye week. I'll give you that L. They're going to come out fresh at home, and that's where they get that W. That's where they get that W. I'm, so I'm, I'm with you there. And I guess to end the third quarter of the season for them, but really the beginning of a big push, especially if they're at Alex's prediction of four and eight right now. We got the Raiders coming to town. The Raiders. The Raiders. We're winning. Okay, so you're gonna get you gonna the Jets are gonna take down David Carr or whoever, it, whoever Derek Carr, whoever is hanging out. David Carr. <laughs> Carr is hanging out. De- Derek Carr is like, I don't want to play football anymore. Big brother, can you please come back and play? Yes. That'd be great. But no, we're, we're going to beat the Raiders. I don't trust a John Gruden team this late in the season. Um, also, I just think we we did a good job with them last year, just like offensively, just like torching them. I don't see them coming out being a potent team this year. Uh, I think it may be a close game. Also, they're coming to us. We're not going to them. And we usually have a better shot when they come to us than us going to them. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, the Jets going to the West Coast is an absolute disaster. Um, and we're going there three times this year. So I just think that the no fans is going to help the situation, especially for Raiders game. You know, Raiders game at MedLife, man, it's dark. It's dark in there. There's lots of Raiders jerseys, lots of yelling, lots of face paint. It just is. And speaking as a Jets fan who goes to MetLife all the time, it hurts, but it's just the truth. So I guess looking at it, I have kept, the theme of 500 for the Jets going into six and six. Very optimistic. I like it. That's optimistic. That's what drives me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Very optimistic. I like it. Uh, Yeah. And I'm going in at what? Five and eight rails, man. I'm off the rails. (laughs) Predicting that the Jets are going to go 500. Off the rails for me, that's for sure. I'm predicting five and eight, right? That's where I got five and eight. So, well, that's scary because we got some tough games coming out, which we'll get into next week. But stay tuned, guys, because football's coming. They the COVID's not going to stop football. Apparently, they're they're figuring it out. It's right around the corner. Choo choo. Yeah, man, fantasy's even right there too. Um, so yeah, tune in next week for the Jets. But before we get into the Jets' optimism and probably going to win the AFC East, I'd give Alex a heart attack. <laughs> Alex, what do we have for etc.? Oh man. Well, before I hop into etc., I just want to clear up the other returner that we had that did a really good job. It was Andre Roberts. I didn't know if you Roberts, of course. I forgot about Andre Roberts. But he was his he he had a crazy year. I he made the Pro Bowl and then he had such a weird exit and then he just did nothing ever since. And he stayed in our division too. 
Yeah, but I'm just, I just want to point out he was another good returner that we had. Definitely. Shout out to Andre Roberts. He was fantastic that year. The GOAT is definitely on Washington, though. That is the GOAT. Number 29, baby. Yeah, man. But getting into our topic. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> but getting into our et cetera portion of this podcast. Like I said earlier, we're going to keep this thing light. Uh, we're going to talk about our three favorite streaming shows that we've seen, whether it was on Netflix, Hulu, uh, whatever, just to, you know, get a taste for what each other likes and show wise, and also maybe give you guys some recommendations for you to go check out. Also, this is et cetera. So we get to talk about anything in this portion. So deal with it. So John, because I am always the nice guy, I want you to go first and uh, tell me what your favorite show is that you like to stream. All right. I'll, uh, I'll go kind of chalk for the first, for the, for my first pick. I'll go Ozark. Ozark. Okay. Man. Uh, Ozark has been a pretty good show on Netflix uh, about like money laundering. Uh, Jason Bateman's always classic, but um, it's just, I guess the, the only thing that's a little bit annoying about the show is uh, there's a lot of like, is there's like conflict, 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 conflict. Like it just keeps expanding. And then like, you're just almost just waiting for the end until just the resolve. So that's kind of annoying, but Ozark keeps you on your toes, man. Have you gotten into it? Have you watched it? Oh, everyone keeps recommending watching Ozark. So it seems like since you're like the billionth person that has recommended Ozark to us, we now have to start watching Ozark. Uh, my only fear, like I said last week, is that when me and my significant other start watching shows, we just go on a crazy binge streak, and it just it, it, we just go wait into the night. So it's a, it's a bingey show. And how many seasons are there? I, be- I believe there's three. Three. They just oh. heard one. Okay, that. That. No, cool. You're early. You're good to go. Okay, that's doable. Because if there's like six. That's that's like a month and a half of just like not sleeping. I don't know if I can do that. To go. And you'll probably get through it in like a day and a half. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. What's your first pick? All right. So for my first pick, we finished this one recently, and it just ended actually before this whole pandemic started. It's a cartoon series that we actually enjoyed, and spent, I, I really enjoyed it. It's uh, BoJack Horseman. Have you watched it? No, I never watched BoJack. BoJack is so good. I think, it, I think if you're, if you see it as a cartoon and you're just like, this thing's kind of freaking me out, like weirded me out. It should in the beginning, but it really is a good show, and they do a great job with character development, especially with the main, actually with all the characters, all the characters, whether it's BoJack, Mr. Peanut Butter, they really develop all these interesting personalities through each and every season and the premise is bojack is a retired or not retired but like out of work high profile actor on a sitcom has a drug and drinking problem uh has difficult relationships with his family and friends and his loved ones and he's just trying to figure it out while coping with these issues and everyone else that you meet is going through some sort of like real world issue, whether it's, you know, 
being like a, a, a single working mom, wanting to start a family and trying to like balance everything while having like a successful career or trying to find a fulfilling relationship while trying to find a, a career that, you know, your heart is like going towards. It's very interesting and it has its moments because it, it captures legitimate and real life uh, people and they have a play on every single actor with like some sort of like product or just like throw it in there. And it's really, it, once you catch it and like start getting the joke, it's really freaking hilarious. And I highly recommend watching BoJack Horseman. Love the show. And if you haven't seen it, definitely recommend it. You will binge it. And then it's, he's kind of like the anti-hero. And I'm, I'm really into that where it's not like someone that is like a happy fairy tale ending all the time. So that's why it's also intriguing to me. Okay. I can get into that. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I was going to say this was my third pick, but I guess I'll go to it now just because I feel like it's a good transition. Fa- I mean, Family Guy is just a classic for me. They okay. just streaming shows. Like, because, uh, I, I mean, I, I, we're not talking about, like, sitcoms that we like because like, I, I know that we're going to get into, like, the old school stuff that we like, like Fresh Prince and Seinfeld. We're talking about, like, Netflix, like, readily available stuff. Yeah. Um. Like Family Guy, and they're still making new episodes, man. It was just crazy. Like I go on Hulu and I pull out Family Guy, and they're still making new episodes. They're still cranking them out. I feel like I've been watching Family Guy, especially because they took that little hiatus since I was a fetus. <laughs> I feel like since I was like, and they've been making it forever. Like them and The Simpsons have been going on forever. Family Guy is always classic for me, um, and I feel like that's why I can get into BoJack because I feel like it, that's the kind of it's almost Family Guy with a theme like family Guy doesn't really have like a storyline every episode is a storyline sometimes 11 storylines in yep. the one episode. but uh i feel like bojack is kind of that same thing but it's like one running story where you, there's like character development <laughs> which i can kind of get into but dude the character development in bojack is insane i i really recommend everyone it seems weird like once you get through the first few episodes like Todd is definitely like my favorite character. Like I don't even want to ruin it for you. You'll see why I like Todd. Um, but got over the fact that they're horses is what you're telling me. Yeah, and they're all like the people are people, the horses are people, the animals are people. Whatever. It's like it's a really interesting concept. Um, but with Family Guy, it's just it's just really interesting how Seth MacFarlane just can continue to create and pump out shows for this. I feel like he had. I feel like Fox is just like holding him like hostage and just saying, look, man, this thing is just like still doing it. It's cash cow. You can't stop. And he's like, no, I really want to retire. It's like, no, you, you cannot retire. Yeah. Um, second pick. My second pick. So my second pick is going to be kind of like streamlined. Everyone's probably seen it, but I really love it. And I can't wait for the next one. It's stranger things. I love stranger things. Um, once again, more character development, not as much as Bojack. Bojack has some like intense character development, um, but I am a big fan. The intense scenes, like that's that's where really where it makes it's like the shebang. You got like the intense scenes where you're like on edge, like want to know what's about to happen. Yes, yeah, for sure. And so like for me, like I love uh, I love Stephen King novels and I love some Stephen King movies. Although the movies never really do the books justice. So the way that uh, these brothers can actually make a movie that's somewhat similar to a Stephen King novel 
it just it just captures me all the time. I could actually have that thing on. Re- I can have that series on repeat twenty four seven just because it's so interesting. Um, really love the show. I love how that's like when you and the one thing I have a gripe with is that the filming with like the high definition and everything else, it's really like become like all new age instead of keeping that true classic feel to it. And that was the one thing that kept me going was like that actual true classic feel. Cool. Interesting. I, 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 I love stranger things for it's, um, it's Stephen King like feel to it, but it didn't make me feel like I was watching the twilight zone. You know, like when that feeling when you're like watching the Twilight Zone, it's just like, you know, it's old, you know, it's boring. I get it. Stephen, you know, I get the Stephen King, like scary, something's bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But like, the Upside Down was cool. Yeah. Like, it wasn't corny. Like, even though the animals were kind it was just like, so it was like a big piranha. Like, it's what, you know, it's whatever. But it was cool. Like, it was intense. It was scary. I was scared of a flower. You know what I mean? Like, it was cool. No, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I'm going to go kind of left field for the third pick. And it was a Netflix show that I randomly saw. It's only one season so far, I guess. Um, And I saw early quarantine. It dropped March 5th. And just like a little background, soccer in my house, uh, especially with my dad. And like he used to play soccer back in Egypt um, for a club. And then my grandpa also. And my dad never misses a soccer game, whether it's the Egyptian Premier League. Yes, that's a real thing. Or, you know, any um, like UEFA Champions games, any any game that Salah is playing because we're Egyptian. Like he, any game that any Egyptian player is playing in England, in the English Premier League, he's, he's watching it. He, you know, so Aston Villa, all over that. So I guess that's just a little background. But the show is called The English Game. Okay. Um, it's about British, it's like a, it's a British soccer show, but it's, it's, it's a, it's like a, it's like a real Netflix show, right? You know, it's like the whole thing, you know, actors, it's not like a documentary, mm-hmm. um, but it is based on a true story. So there's this guy, uh, <laughs> like I'll never be able to say it the way he says it, Fergus Suta, um, and Jimmy Love, and they basically play soccer and then they go to Blackburn which is like a re- which is like a really famous English Premier League team you know and then they like and that really happened the only and they won the FA Cup with them so it's really cool and like you watch like it's just like I'm a sucker for sports shows and old school like boxing movies cool soccer movies in general sure. um, but it was just really cool because like it, it would it would it tied in like a little fake stuff and then obviously the character development of Jimmy Love and Suter and all their conflict and how much they love soccer and like don't care about literally anything else in their whole lives is fantastic to watch. Um, but like just like the historical accuracy and like only semantics drives it from the truth. But it's like it's like all about Blackburn basically, which is is just cool. Like now all of a sudden I like Blackburn kind of like. You know, like the the Green Street Hooligans back in the day. I don't know if you ever watched that. And then all of a sudden, we all became West Ham fans because you know we like the Green Street Hooligans. Meanwhile, you know we know nothing about West Ham. So that's my idea. So the English game. It's only six episodes. I have no idea if they're going to renew it, um, but it's a really good show. Okay. Yeah, it had me intrigued. I, like, I would watch it again. Like, 
an early quarantine, which feels like three centuries ago. So I actually could watch that again. Send it to me because because I definitely want to check that out. I, I I can always get behind sports. Yeah, I think you'd like that one. Um, nice. So to end, to top it off with my third, uh, have you seen Master of None? No, I haven't. So Did, I get turned off by his standups. So actually, uh, I would also recommend his most latest standup um, because it's quite funny. But Master of None, there's two seasons to it. Another one where there's really good character development. But I think the thing that really entices me to that series, uh, and Zianzari does a really good job of bringing real life societal issues to light. And especially season two, season two just blows season one. I won't say out of the water, but it really takes it to another level of just understanding people and understanding uh, like today's society at a different level. And, you know, doesn't matter whether you're, doesn't matter what race, color, sexuality is behind you, uh, or, or I should say that you, that you uh, affiliate, affiliate yourself with, he brings those issues to light, whether it's like something simple as like, should I text somebody back? What's this relationship status like? like or how do I connect with my parents who are immigrants? And that was like something that was really, like I could really connect to because both my parents are immigrants. And it's like just seeing that immigrants' parents like coming over to America and really going through like the hardship of just like wanting to be successful, starting a business or doing whatever, just getting yourself ahead. And all you thought about was work and providing and work and providing. And you really just like gave up like your personal interest, you gave up on your personal interests just to give yourself to your family. It was really, it was really interesting, man, like from all levels. And I highly recommend it just because it brings a lot of new things to light. I really liked it. There's one that I, I have to talk about where it's, um, he actually doesn't, it's the one episode in season two where he doesn't appear and you see the lens of New York city from New York city residents eyes, whether it's someone who's deaf, whether it's someone who is from a different country uh, or working as a cab driver and you know him and his buddies are just like four of them are in a one-bedroom apartment with bunk beds just trying to make ends meet and like pay rent it's just so interesting man just to see so many different aspects that are legit in new york city um i thought that was really cool so i definitely recommend master of none cool well honestly you kind of that was a really good pitch for it because like again his stand-up really doesn't do it for me but th this doesn't really sound like any of that so i, I can get into it i mean i like it I just like his his punchlines really don't do it for me yeah no his early stuff is really like it's really just like corny yeah so okay cool i'll i'll, I'll give it a shot i definitely i definitely recommend it and i like some of this i really like the stuff that you recommend i really want to watch the soccer the soccer one that's definitely on the list and i know now i gotta watch ozark at this point so everyone keeps recommending it definitely do ozark is like ozark is a guarantee okay you have an honorable mentions honorable mentions i was on the spot you have an honorable mention or no i do have some honorable mentions uh Ooh. so uh, there's one show that i really have to get into uh Dominique just finished watching it. I have to watch it again. It's on HBO Max. It's Insecure um, with Issa Rae. And I thought it was going to be like another uh, chick flickish type of series because some of them are like are good. Some of them just like really turned me off. 
but it really, it's like, it's another one where it's just like talking about like real life issues. And I just, I think I just like something that's so real that I can relate to, whether it's just like working on a relationship, trying to figure out like, you know, well, not necessarily the relationship part, but just like things that you've actually gone through and whether it's like, how do you advance through your job? How do you maintain like a work-life balance? Like all these other things that are just like so intriguing mm-hmm. that are so real. So that's definitely one, but that's on HBO Max. Um, what about you? Do you have any honorable mentions? I guess the only honorable mention is the Lil Dicky show, Dave, on Hulu. Do you uh, know who he is? No, I don't. Yeah. Oh, okay, he's a... <laughs> he's a rapper. He would love. He would love. He would love to say that. Um, he's just like a. Oh, okay, okay. I know who Lil Dicky is. Okay. Yeah. So he had. A, she made a show called Dave, which is like based on him. Mm. And he's him, and of course, there's like satire and things that are not true going on. But it's it's kind of the same themes that you're rolling with. It's a lot of like genuineness. A lot of like you don't know that the like have the insecurities of a rapper or like trying to make it, and like you're going through is like weird. Like just a huge. He's like he's even he's not. I guess he, the point he makes is like he's not like you and me. He's actually weirder. Mm. <laughs> you know, we always try to like equate him to us, he's, and then like he's trying to like, nah, dude, the weird things that you like, I'm even weirder. <laughs> like, I, you know, and like he kept like playing with that theme, but just being a little Dicky fan in general is actually really cool because like you kind of knew this about him from his music, and he kind of just like making it like a visual for you. Okay. It's kind of cool, but I, I mean, it's one of it's it's like it's like a what's a good way to explain it? It's like a weird craft beer show, like you know what I mean? Like you know, like what you know, like when you're in the mood for like a weird craft beer, like like a weird beer that like you're not gonna have a lot of. Like it's not really a bingey, you know. Like when you're watching it, yes, like you do want to know what happens next, and they do leave you on cliffhangers. But in general, like, you could turn it off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not like Ozark. Like, Ozark, it's going to be hard, man. I, I like those type of shows where you can kind of, like, just tune in and out and be like, ah, all right, I'll put this out. Yeah, exactly. Like, you could easily do that, you know? All right. Nice. Nice. All right. Sweet. Uh, that wraps it up for our Jets episode. We hit on the offensive line, our training camp, wide receivers, cornerbacks, special teams. We hit on some – scary outcomes in our way too early predictions or optimistic 500 and <laughs> and alex is at a a, a realistic like 25 percent winning percentage so hopefully we're off on that both of us yeah I, I hope that it's better than that but i don't know man that about wraps it up um tune in next week for another episode of the jets yeah and Tune in this week if you want to hear another Knicks episode. Make sure to check out our previous episodes. Also, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And give us a rating and let us know what you think. Let us know what you think we can improve on. And once again, we're just trying to create this community. So, anything else for you, John? Let's go Jets. All right. Catch you later.